I wanted to start with something that's nightmare based today. So what's a horny pirate's worst nightmare? <laughs> I don't know. Always a horny pirate's worst nightmare. A sunken chest and no booty. <laughs> you sure that's not your worst nightmare? Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> and oh, before I forget. I'll kill you if this is a joke. You want to die tonight? The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. Why isn't it possible? I can't say nothing. A candy man will get me. You choose the movies. I had a heart on this morning when I woke up, Tina. Had your name written all over it. You score them. Nice fucking model! You review them. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Why not, you stupid bastard? My name is very fucking confused. What's your name? Captain Howdy. Don't want to go fooling around other folks' property. Goddamn soul. It's a beer. Because after all, this is not our show. This is your show. I can't help but sing it. It's a thing now. What is that quote from? The I'm very fucking confused. I like know them all apart from that one. What is that from? Anyone knows, call into the show. <laughs> I'll I'll, t- I'll tell you off the air, but if anyone knows, call into the show and tell us. Say, please don't make me wait because that'll just annoy me now for the rest yeah, of the week. I- I'll tell you off the air, but if anyone knows what that is, call in. Uh, hello, welcome to the original horror movie review podcast, run and controlled by all of you. This is the You Run podcast. My name is Scott, and my name is Mark, and we are the premium interactive horror movie review show. There are lots of ways to get involved in this show. There's scoring the movies, there's offering a three-word review or a ten-word takeout, take takeout, takedown, takeout. These features <laughs> appear on our social media. Um, if you don't know where to follow us, it's at You Run Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Trends, and Slasher. If you want to follow Mark, because he's still stalkerless, despite two weeks of me pleading for him to get a new stalker, uh, you can do that. It's MW underscore horror underscore reviews on Instagram and Slasher. And he's now MW underscore horror underscore VHS on TikTok. Yeah, the yeah. other way. Yeah, you. I like the fact you're you're now on Slasher, too. Yeah, I'm trying my best with that as well. But I always forget to go up and do like if cause I just bang everything on the same thing and then just sort of spread it out and then. I just do it and then forget about it. And I always forget to do Slasher. If someone, cre- if someone created a single app where you could post something and it distributed it everywhere, they would make a fortune. Why are you telling everybody? Let's just do that. Okay, yeah. Uh, patent pending, you run podcast, leave it alone. <laughs> Before we start, though, do you actually know anything about making apps? No. Yeah, okay, right. This may be dead in the water already. Yeah, anyone who knows about making apps, call the show. <laughs> They're just going to steal our idea now and take it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, you can also get into the show, involved with the show however you want, whenever you want, by sending us an email, yourunpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail. Um, you can do that wherever you're able to send an audio message. So that's Instagram, Trends, Twitter. You can also record a TikTok with no music and basically tag us in it, and we'll use that in the show as well. Um, I made some comments on the Rob Zombie 
Halloween episode. Um, we got a message directed purely at me for a change. Would you like to hear the um, the wonderful message we've received? If it's him directly at you, then definitely. Okay, well, this is what we got. I'm going to say that, Scott, I'm going to quit the true crime if you don't stop fucking around with me. I don't sound <laughs> like that. I don't sound like that. Yes, I'm country, but I do not sound like I fucked my cousin. So y'all shut the hell up. Actually, it's more Scott this time. Mark, you ain't even really do anything, I don't think. But anyways, bye, bitches. <laughs> For once, I actually wasn't part of this. No, and Heather was dead serious as well. I had like a ten minute conversation with Heather after. I was like, I, I didn't mean any offence. She's like, Well, you did offend me. Fuck you. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Excellent. So, I, I, I'm dreadfully sorry, Heather. Uh, we've all patched up now. We're recording tomorrow night for for true crime. So she's not quit. So anyone listens to true crime, don't panic. She's she's still with us for now. No, no, permanently, not just for now. Heather's not. I don't anywhere. know. I feel like this is just going to continue now. <laughs> No, no, I, I'm, I'm dreadful sorry. Anyway, <laughs> moving, moving on. Uh, it's time for news. Before I... we move on, I've done that really annoying thing where I haven't opened my beard. So rather That's... than we pretend to silently do it in the background, I just make some noise now. Yeah, j- just open it right by the mic. That's what you normally do. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll do it now, and then it's getting done, and then I can try and stealthily do it throughout the show without causing distraction. Right. Okay. Hold on. Nearly. Right, I'm good to go. You, you're good. That was actually really quiet as well. I barely heard it, so you could have just done that silently, and no one would. Oh, have really? Known. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, I'm not editing that out either. Um, I've got a bit of news that made my heart warm this week. We are getting 28 months later with Danny Boyle returning to direct and Cillian Murphy reprising his role. I am so happy. I am ecstatic about this. The thing is as well, because we, this is just one of those stories that keeps popping up every six months. It's happening. It's not happening. Danny Boyle's back. He's writing. He's directing. I need some more evidence than just articles on the internet, I think, to get me excited about this. Danny Boyle has confirmed himself, this is happening. Yeah, but he's he's done that in the past as well. He's said numerous times, like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I've got this great idea. And what, why, are you po- about. why are you pooing on my happy news? No, 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 no I'm, <laughs> I'm happy that you're happy, kind of. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I need some more, some more legs behind this for me to get excited about it. Cause it's just one of those things that everybody has been craving since 28 weeks later. Cause that film was fantastic. A great yeah. sequel. And then just nothing apart from rumbles throughout. And I would okay. like to see Cillian Murphy back in it as well. Cause that would be really cool. I'd like to see them give us more backstory on what happened between the events of 28 days. And hey, what's this one? 28 months, 28 months later. Yeah. So what's that? That's like two years, isn't it? Just yeah. over, I- I'm over. still questioning whether, after all this time, anyone will actually be able to separate him between the character he plays in 28 Days Later and Thomas Shelby from Peaky Blinders, because that's who he is now to everyone. Oh, Oppenheimer, as he seems to be these days. He's doing very well for himself off the back of that. Um, he, he's what, great. What kind of a- Yeah, he's, he's a fantastic actor. I loved him in Batman as well when he was a scarecrow. He was really yes. cool, wasn't he? Yeah, he's, um, he's brilliant. What accent did he have in 28 
weeks later. Twenty eight days later. Was it Scottish? I want to say Scottish. Yeah, he definitely weren't the brummy he was in. No, in Peaky Blinders. I don't know. No. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited for it. I hope it happens, but who knows? Okay. Um, another movie which has confirmed a sequel. Uh, I say confirmed a sequel. An actress slipped up while being interviewed, and let slip that this has been confirmed. So Zoe Dutch was being interviewed uh, for a movie that she's got coming up. And she let slip that Zombieland 3 is in pre-production with a planned release date of 2029. Is that 10 years? I thought these uh, were coming that, out every 10 years. Yeah, that's 10 years from the last one. Oh, right. Okay. How long has it been since that now? I keep forgetting. To 2019 that came out. Wow. So shit, yeah. we're not actually too far away, really, are we? No, apparently it's it's done. It's written. Everyone who needs to be on board is on board and it's all basically good to go. They're just sat waiting because they want that genuine 10-year gap. They want people to have aged 10 years and changed 10 years before they come back and do it. Yeah, I hope Bill Murray makes it. I hope he survives long enough to have a cameo or at least go and film Bill Murray's cameo now and just save it ready for 2029. Uh, Could you imagine if Bill Murray didn't make it? It wouldn't be the same. No, no, I think they must have a backup plan with that. Like, hey, Bill, we've got this script, we've got this idea, we're just going to hold on to it, but everybody else can wait, but we need you to do your bit now. Because since or, you're already dead anyway, we don't want you to age too much. <laughs> or, or if he can't make it, they use Dan Aykroyd instead. Oh, that would be a nice touch. But he can't be far behind Bill himself. No, I'm not being funny. I don't think um, my mind's gone blank. Tallahassee. I don't think he's a million miles. Woody Harrelson, I don't think he's a million miles behind him either. Yeah, but he's one of those people who smokes copious amounts of marijuana. Those guys live forever. <laughs> Is that how that works? I think so, yeah. It's like a it's like a miracle grow. <laughs> yeah, it's, miracle grow. it's like, um, oh, who's the guy from um, the Rolling Stones who should have died about 100 years ago, but he's alive. Keith Richards. Yeah, alive purely on amphetamine still running through his system from the yeah. 1970s. It's like Woody, Woody Nelson. He's still going strong. That's because he just smokes weed all day. Snoop Dogg still looks like he's 21. This is this is true, and he smokes probably more weed than anyone on the planet. Exactly. So there you go. You heard it here first on the Urine Podcast. Go start smoking weed. <laughs> wow. Yeah, actually, uh, no, that's not probably the best message to send out to our listeners. No, if there's a supplier of weed who'd like to become our sponsor, call the show. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a local drug dealer ringing up this show. <laughs> uh, 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 what have you got this week for news? So, again, on the sequel bandwagon, we have the confirmation that A24's Talk To Me is getting a sequel, Talk To Me. So, um, with the number two this time instead of Talk To Me. Um, I haven't seen Talk To Me yet, but I've heard amazing things, and I am determined to see it. But there's so much stuff coming out at the moment, especially that we're getting for the show and stuff like that, that I kind of need to jump on, so... I don't have a kid. I don't get the time to go to the cinema as much as I'd like to. So when we go, I kind of have to nitpick what I want to, what I want to see. Yeah, and this has just sort of slipped under the radar, really. Yeah, it kind of has for me as well. And I've seen loads of good reviews online. If I'm honest, this sits right in my wheelhouse, but there's something about it that doesn't appeal to me, and I don't know what it is. There's just something about it. I, I see the hand, and I'm just like, ah. Yeah, I mean, there's a great backstory behind the directors, though. These guys were just YouTubers who started making short films, and this is uh, 
their debut that they, they got noticed and production companies came to them and said, here, do this. Yeah. From all accounts. So it's a great, it's a great story to have for them. And I wish them all the success in the world. And I think the movie by all accounts is fantastic, especially from horror fans as well. Cause this is only a 15 rated. It's not very often horror fans tend to get behind stuff like this, but people are calling it genuinely terrifying. So I will watch it eventually. Yeah, I, I will. We'll, we'll. No doubt it'll be in a poll at some point next year. <laughs> we'll appear we'll on the show. watch it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 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 uh, my next small tidbit of news is not necessarily horror related, but this has been announced that Norman Reedus is planning on joining the MCU as Ghost Rider, which I think is amazing casting. I like Norman Reedus. But the only reason they're casting as Ghost Rider is because he rode a bike for 10 years in The Walking Dead. That's all he need. Most of it will be on CGI anyway. Yeah, but if it's just going to be CGI, I don't think you're going to top Nicolas Cage as, as um, Ghost Rider. No. And to be honest, I don't really think he has the charisma to carry an entire film on his own as a main focus character. So the chances are, with his introduction, we'll probably just see him in some sort of bit role in another film. He might pop up in Blade. Deadpool 3. Yeah, something like that. So he, although he's been cast, don't get excited about him having his own movie. The chances are it will be something small, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I read the other day that Deadpool 3 is rumoured to have the largest cast of characters since Endgame. Really? Yeah, apparently, like, every cameo you could possibly dream of from all of the franchises, that all of the versions of the franchises that they've dropped will appear. There's even rumours that Wesley Snipes will reprise his role as Blade for that movie. It's just a bit wild, isn't it? Because it seems to be these films have just taken on something else now. They're more about fan service than they are anything else. Guardians of the Galaxy, they do it. And then Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, that does it. And it's like Spider-Man did it. It's like this, All they're doing now is just nostalgia hits for everybody rather than I focusing on the thing is, I think they've got a plan. I think there will be a point where whatever gateway they opened up into the multiverse is their plan will be to close it and bring their story narrow again so they can tell it for a longer period of time. Yeah, I think they need to. I think that's a great way to introduce Deadpool to the MCU as well, because um, this is his first MCU outing, isn't it? He's yeah. Sony before this, was he not? Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, so it'll be cool. I like the fact that they're bringing Wolverine back and a lot of the OG X-Men cast, and this will be the first introduction to the X-Men, to the MCU. He'll do some sort of splintering with the timeline that will cause... I mean, Chaos. The Flash. I just watched The Flash not so long ago. Great movie, by the way. Absolutely fantastic. The CGI is abysmal. Uh, dreadful. Absolutely. Uh, it's the sort of shit that I could do with like a downloaded app where you... like add lightning strikes behind you as you run. It's that bad. It's terrible. That end sequence where they've got all the like planets coming into this little orb thing and you get Nicholas's Cage's Superman and you get Christopher Reeves's Superman and I'm like, oh man, that is dreadful. Yeah. It looked so bad and I just cannot understand for the life of me. It's uh Andy Muschetti who did the It series as well. And it's like he seems to have these art directors that follow him around who are just dreadful. He really needs to get some new special effects artists guys on his movies. Yeah, or, or just just go practical. Yeah. 
definitely. It just it's just silly. He fucked the it chapter one and two, I think, with his heavy use of CGI and he massively did it with the flash. Some of the stuff in there is just borderline laughable. Oh, what it, was annoying it about chapter that one, is... I disagree. I loved it chapter one. It chapter yeah. two was way over the top. I mean, it chapter one, and I liked it chapter two. I don't have anything against either of those films, but the use of CGI in both of them is really poor. I see, even in number one, where it's the, the like painting, that is dreadful. Yeah. You can't even argue with that. It's bad. No. It's, it's, it's that kind of level of CGI, but constantly throughout the entire movie of The Flash. And it's just, but my point was, anyways, The Flash did the same thing. It's just nostalgia bringing back old fan service characters, and it becomes that swamped that the story itself gets lost in all this fan service. So I hope yeah. they kind of dial that back a little bit and Deadpool's maybe the one to do that by going so over the top to then just cut it off, if that makes sense. Which I think they do. Ryan Reynolds is a clever guy. He heavily influences these films. I don't think he would let a property that he cares so much about go to waste. So if no. he's got an idea and he thinks it's going to work, I imagine he will probably follow through with that. We need a horror universe. We need... Hellraiser, we need Pinhead opening up gateways to different horror franchises. The problem bring... is that all of these properties are all owned by different companies. There's been talks yeah, of various g- crossovers throughout centuries. Do you well, we why, talked why about don't... that on Jason, didn't we? Why don't we do, like, I don't know, pick a shitter lesser-known franchises that won't worry about selling their soul? Do, like, Puppet Master and Child's Play. Oh, no, Don Mancini would not share that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Maybe do... the Leprechaun franchise. Ah, <laughs> oh, the Leprechaun and Puppet Master. What a collab that is. I'm all <laughs> in for that. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Um, yeah. This week, it's time to return to Elm Street, but not quite how we remembered it. All of the cast are back uh, with the additional Wes Craven himself in front of the camera. Uh, Freddie looks like a genie of the lamp. And Langenkamp gives arguably her best on-screen performance in the franchise. In what I can only accurately describe as the movie pilot for Scream, it's Wes Craven's new nightmare from 1994. Mark it, common mark. I'm doing a film about my nightmares as I'm dreaming them. In order for the movie to continue, it, it was dependent on me having more nightmares. Well, fortunately, I did. I'm a little frightened by what Wes may have tapped into. I frankly felt that it was over when we did the last, the final nightmare. In a town where movies go over schedule and directors go over budget, something far more evil is out of control. suffered its own terror today as two of Hollywood's best-known special effects technicians were found dead. Part of the theme of the movie is becoming like part of the making of the movie. Can you come with me in my dreams? I think that only happens in the movies. What happens when the story dies, the evil is set free. Now that the films have ended, the genie's out of the bottle. That's what the nightmares are telling me, and that's what I'm writing. This is still a script we're talking about, right, Wes? He's decided to cross over out of films into our reality. The only way to stop him is to make another movie. Oh, my God. 
the bad man's getting awful close. You're gonna have to make a choice. What kind of choice? Whether or not you're willing to play Nancy one last time. No! It was you that gave Nancy her strength. So, listeners score the movies, as you all know. If you're new here, listeners score the movies. Uh, They've scored this an 8 out of 10. Uh, IMDb coming at 6.4 out of 10. And Letterboxd a 3.3 out of 5. Uh, We'll give our scores at the end when we give our our roundup. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of overview if you've never seen this before. Um, It's a 90s meta horror. Um, Sees Wes Craven, Robert England, Heather Langenkamp return to play themselves as Wes Nightmares drive him to write a new script for a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Little do they know there's a real demonic force trying to push through into the real world, and it's using the character of Freddy Krueger to do that. And that's pretty much the overriding story. That's that's all you need. Um, I like the opening of this. The opening sequence, I think, is great, where they open in a dream. Yeah, they kind of, and as well, they do the callbacks to the original. You get the the creation of the the glove, in essence, before we switch to what is actually a film set. Yeah, and I I love this. The only thing, my only criticism here is the use of CGI. Oh, I didn't know it's a CGI in this section. The CGI, I, I'm sure, when the glove crawls across the floor, that's CGI or it's superimposed, uh, yeah. sell over. So yeah. it it yeah. looks terrible. Yeah, it does. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're referring to now. It's the when the animatronic hand is crawling around the stage. It, yeah. yeah, it looks like it's done on a green screen and then plastered over the top of it afterwards. It doesn't look the best. No, and the Adams family was out at this time. They can make a hand running around on the floor look much better than that. Yeah, it's it's disappointing. But to be honest with you, I think the first sort of forty percent of this film is pretty concerning in terms of direction and film photography it looks like a lifetime special mate let's be honest it does see i knew you were gonna go there points mark that is like the worst (laughs) take ever man i i I knew you were going there i I... that's because you must have known yourself that it's true then if you thought that's where i was gonna go with it no it's because you fucking messaged me earlier to tell me you were going there Uh, I, I I like that you've got a slow build to this and I like the slow build it's something that doesn't exist in any other nightmare movie even no. the first one there's there's not much of a build before you get into it but with this you've got a good I don't know it's a good hour and 10 minutes yeah. of build to lead to even when you get to a point where you get a decent shot of Freddy but this, I don't have any issue with the actual plot or the build-up. I thought all of it was really, really enticing. I really liked the characters' developments and the fleshing out of who they are. Because even though we recognise their faces, these are completely different people to what we've known them prior to anything else within this franchise. It just doesn't look great. It looks cheap. It looks like a made-for-TV movie. Everything that's filmed in the daylight, the, the acting is really wonky. Not so much from Langdon Camp, as you mentioned, she's fantastic in this. And even Robert England as himself early on is great. John Saxon, he does great. But it's all the other people around them that 
it's just very unconvincing and like it just doesn't look very good yeah i'll give you the little boys not great i actually quite liked him really dylan yeah dylan yeah for his age i thought he was fantastic in this oh really actually at the end as well he starts getting weird as shit man uh, he he does go sort of all red rum towards yeah. the end. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so this starts out with Heather's nightmare where she dreams that the puppet hand that's on the set of the new Freddy movie kills her husband. Is that actually her husband? Yes. It is. I thought it was. Um, so it kills her husband. It kills two of the special effects artists as well. Um, it then goes to her. She's going for an interview. And like there's earthquakes, which... Oh, no, it doesn't kill her husband. No, her husband gets away. It kills the two... It, like, gets his hand cut or something like that, but it kills the two special effects artists. Yeah, and, and then the when he they... wakes up, he's got a cut on his hand and they wake up in the middle of an earthquake. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I've probably just done it in the earthquake. So obviously he doesn't know the dream because they're not interconnected with each other. This is Langdenkamp's dream. She's yeah. visualising this happening. The, the only thing I'd say is I find it strange that like she's an actress and in this story she's played nancy and she's been in a nightmare on elm street movie if there was an earthquake and i'd had a bad dream and like lisa had cut her hand i wouldn't instantly go shit those movies i've been in freddie must be real it's a real fucking leap yeah but we kind of do get the slow build introduction that she's got this stalker who keeps calling the house and saying lines from freddy movies and singing the one two freddy's coming for you kind of thing so she's getting these weird phone calls to the house anyway prior to this first dream that we've been introduced to and i think at some point her husband actually says to her have you had one of those dreams again so this might be a reoccurring thing for her at the moment yeah that she's just i don't know it's, it's sort of a ptsd kind of effect she's incredibly jumpy um the nanny is odd so like the nanny comes around to look after uh, Dylan when she goes off to a, an interview I find the whole concept of a nanny so bizarre because like the nanny comes in and takes over and Dylan is so detached from his mum that like he's excited to see the nanny because that's the person who gives him love and interaction I find it so odd yeah from that standpoint I, I kind of agree I never really thought about it in that much depth i mean i have people who come and look after my daughter me and my wife need a break and when like her auntie chloe comes she's one of those aunties who's not actually her auntie but he's like my wife's best friend and she's like oh do you want me to take my girl out for the day so you guys can go and do whatever you want to do she yeah. comes around and my daughter just goes wild and it's like oh okay we know where we're not wanted <laughs> yeah but you don't do that every single day of the week no, of course not, no. And, and that's what I find strange. People who have nannies who are like, they're there, they're in their house, they're doing their own thing while someone else is raising their child. I find it so, like, why would you do that? Why oh, you, you mean like actual living nannies who are constantly, yeah. that's their job is to raise your children for you. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, I agree. It's very strange. But if I could afford it, oh, I'm not saying I would have <laughs> <laughs> it's strange and I, I would still be a part of my child's life i'd still be involved but my god someone else would be doing bedtime someone else would be doing the trips to school <laughs> someone else would be doing all the shit bits that i don't want to do we just pick and choose the niceties of parenting yeah it'll be right okay you can get my child up feed them dress them once you've done that i'm going to take them out and do something i'm going to bring them back you're going to feed them and put them to bed yeah oh, yeah it sounds like a fucking dream um 
Nancy goes for her interview. She has her interview. Her interview kind of goes all right. Um, when she's leaving, she gets a phone call from New Line Cinema and the worst make sounding. Hi, this is Jenny from New Line Cinema. We'd like you to come in. Bob wants to see you. It's like, fuck off. No one talks like that. Yeah, well, before we get that, though, we get the weird little interview segment where Robert England jumps through the back door dressed as Freddy and interrupts our interview. Oh, of course. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> they've got all these fans dressed as, like, Freddy in the crowd. Yeah. And they're like, we've got a surprise for you. You've not seen Robert England since you filmed Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and here he is. And he, he just bursts through the back of the set in his full Freddy girl. Full MTV Freddy as well. Yeah, yeah. He's like going up to the fans, like, ha ha ha, Freddy's uh, here. Freddy's back, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just opening his arms to them all, just reeling in all the attention. And the stupid thing is, this was how it was. Yeah. When, when Freddy was at his peak, Robert England would go on talk shows as Freddy Krueger and give interviews as Freddy. Yeah, that is wild. That is absolutely wild. Yeah, and you'd never get that now. Could you imagine, like, Jamie Clayton, when she played Pinhead, going on and giving an interview as the Cenobite Queen. That's never going to happen. Man, the 90s were wild. I loved the 90s. <laughs> yeah, it was great. But, yeah, it doesn't doesn't exist. Either. The best no. one would be Michael Myers. Michael Which Myers. Done. <laughs> <laughs> they, Wouldn't be much of an interview. They'd done it for Freddy versus Jason, didn't they? They had, like, a press conference and a weigh-in and fucking everything oh, yeah, for that, that was movie. brilliant. I loved that. Yeah. And Freddie's like, ha, ha, you miss your mama. And Jason just sort of sits there. It's like, yeah. who come up with that idea? But they used to have, like, Chucky as, like, guest spots on SNL and things like that, didn't they? But Chucky needs to guest spot on SNL again. Now. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she gets a call from New Line Cinema. Um, she goes in, and that's actually New Line Cinema's offices, which I thought was cool. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. I didn't know it was actually their offices, but you get to see quite a lot of stuff on the walls and stuff. And I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, and she meets with Bob Schaefer, um, and it's actually him. And uh, she meets another woman as well who was involved in writing the first one. I can't think of her name. It escapes me. No. Um, and Bob's like, yeah, Wes is working on a script. We want to get you back. And at this point, I get the feeling that Heather Langenkamp isn't really working. But she's no. like, no, no, I'm having a bit of a hard time at the moment. No actress does that. No. And he's like, whatever you want, we'll double it. Uh, we need you back. You are the main character in this script. He's basically saying to her, look, this is your chance to revitalise your career. I would take it if I was you. Yeah, this is a blank checkbook. How much money do you want to come back? Because we are going to make an absolute fortune when you do. Yeah, and you can see she's uncomfortable. She's like, "What do you mean? I thought Freddie was dead, and this was all done now. Why, 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 why is Web Wes doing this again?" Yeah, and this is where it starts to get really meta. He's like, "Because the fans want Freddie back, which we still do." Please, yes, please, <laughs> properly <laughs> though, a decent Freddie, not like what you gave us recently. Yeah, to 2010. There is a Freddie coming. We'll talk about that later because it ties very nicely into to this movie. Um, oh, I think okay. I think it's uh, Wolfman's Got Nards who plays um, Freddy. Oh, no, wait, it's Dave McRae. And that's an in-joke <laughs> if you've listened to this show for quite a while. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see that guy this year at Blum of Horror if we go. Yeah, you know he's playing Freddy in that movie, don't you? No, I didn't know that. That would yeah. be interesting. The Scottish Freddy Krueger. That, that's who they've cast. That's who's playing it in 
Dylan's New Nightmare. He's Dave McRae is Freddy Krueger. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Dylan's New Nightmare because Dylan's actually coming back to replace his role as Dylan. Yes, he is, but we'll talk about that later. I think we've pretty much just covered it. Yeah, we have pretty much covered <laughs> it. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on it later. Uh, uh, Nancy goes to see Robert England to find out what's going on with the script and everything, and she's having nightmares. And Robert England in this is outstanding. I don't think he's like this in real life, but I love this Hollywood Robert England that he created for himself. Yeah, he's like, hey, we should do lunch, babe. And just walks off. I was like, what a guy. <laughs> he he really did like look at the, the people in Hollywood around him and went, I'm playing myself, but I'm not. I'm going to be that guy. Yeah. He's got like them awkward, dorky sunglasses where they're like really small, round glasses and like blue tinted. And yeah, they're like basically the... Hollywood dick. And the only thing he was missing was a ponytail in this. Yeah, he's got like, um, if anyone watched wrestling in the 90s, he's got like those round Shawn Michaels style glasses. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's really like, hey, yeah, well, I don't really know what's going on. Where's his script? But we'll catch up soon, babe. We'll do lunch. Like, what? Really? He's not like that. I've seen no. loads of clips of him in the real world. That is not Robert England. <laughs> Of course not, no. You have to feel he was having it up for his own entertainment more than anybody else's. Yeah, I mean, from here it starts to get quite dark quite quick. So she finds out that her husband is already working on the special effects of the new Nightmare movie. I found this really, really odd as well. Like, I'm married. I wouldn't be able to keep something like this from my wife, regardless of the studio execs telling me not to. There was like, oh, we wanted it to be a surprise for her. But, like, he lives with this woman day in, day out. She knows she's getting phone calls from some weird stalker pretending to be Freddy Krueger, and he knows she's having nightmares about Freddy Krueger. And he's secretly working on a new Nightmare on Elm Street film behind her back. And because Bob Shea said, don't tell your wife, he doesn't. I'm like, dude, you're a shitty husband. Yeah, really bad husband. Because if you get caught, which he does, in this he just gets a bit of a telling off. In real life, that would be the silent treatment for days. Oh, yeah, he's sofa surfing for a couple of days, easy. Yeah, 100%. Um, What I like here, though, is he's off working on this, and this is where things start to take a really sinister turn because Dylan starts to have his first interactions with Freddy Krueger, and Freddy's coming for him in his dreams, and he's got a dinosaur that protects him. Rex. Rex. Rex is cool, and I'm sure Toy Story (laughs) nicked the name from this. Oh, of course. I'm sure they did. I mean, I don't know. It's a T-Rex. I don't think... Is it? It is a T-Rex, isn't it? It is a T-Rex, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty logical jump to call a toy dinosaur T-Rex Rex. It is. He has a nightmare. And basically, he's like, he's like, it's fine because Rex saved me. And then Rex has got like four slash marks through him. Yes. Heather Langkamp freaks out. But again, this is where this whole nanny thing is strange because the nanny comes in. She's like, oh, can you fix Rex? And like Dylan is clung on to the nanny, like, please save me and just leaves Heather Langkamp sat in the bedroom. Yeah, you can feel this serious disconnect from these characters, but it's not really fleshed out enough. Like as observers, we're picking up on it and thinking it's weird, but it's not really touched upon because she she still is his lifeline throughout this film in terms of when shit goes down, he calls for his mum and stuff like that. But you'd never really get that emotional connection between the two of them. Like, I was yeah. expecting some sort of story development where it turns out she's been, like, a 
like a drunk and neglected parent or something, and that's why he's obsessed with the nanny more than her. And then this yeah. is all going to be in her head at the end of it. I was like, oh, that would be a cool turn of events. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have liked that. And the one thing I thought was just bizarre, when she stitched up Rex, she used red thread on a green dinosaur, so it now looks like he has battle scars. Yes. There's a lot of red and green thrown in throughout this film. There's lots of There's lots of really subtle meta nods that if you're watching it you go oh they've just given rex freddy's jumper yeah oh oh that's like things like uh bob shafer shay says a couple of things and you're like ah oh, that's that's funny that's a line from this and it's there's all these little nods and again this is a little bit like we said about deadpool 3 this movie is very much fan service yeah yeah and you if you watch this and you've say you've never seen new nightmare before but you are a massive scream fan Go and watch New Nightmare because this film will blow your fucking mind <laughs> on yeah. how scream how scream centric this film is. The insistence of the phone call, the, the ringing of the phone being such a sort of tense moment. Every time the phone rings and then they pick it up and they're getting stalkery calls, but instead of it being Ghostface on the other end, it's Freddy Krueger on the other end. It's man, it is it is wild at how scream this film is. I still maintain that Wes Craven had a long-term plan of putting these two together. That would have been really cool. I still, I still believe it. The, based on New Nightmare and how meta it is, I could imagine had Wes not passed away, we would have got a screen movie where the phone rings and Ghostface picks up the phone and it goes, welcome to my world, bitch. That's the only trailer they would have needed and they would have filled every cinema in every country instantly. You see, the thing is, though, I really... People always talk about Ghostface as a villain. It's like, oh, yeah, you should get Michael Myers fight Ghostface. And, yeah, Which one? Fight Ghostface. Exactly. Who is Ghostface? He's nobody. Nine times out of ten, they're usually rather fucking pathetic. Yeah, I and mean, if you're going to get any Ghostface against any other horror villain, it's got to be Stu Marker, because he's the only one who survives. <laughs> Come on, I'm not doing this tonight. <laughs> 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 You lost what? your train of thought, haven't you? I have. <laughs> uh, I really have. And, my, and annoyingly, my soundboard has stopped working. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's back again. I, I've got it back. Hold on, bear with me. We'll just pretend that never happened. Yeah, it's, it's back. Well, we won't edit that out because I don't do editing now. I've got a soundboard when it wants to work. <laughs> Um, it's after this meltdown that he they t- he goes to the park. They she takes Dylan to the park. So Heather takes Dylan to the park, and she meets up with John Saxon. No, no, no. Because oh no, husband, yeah, sorry, completely husband, glossed over the fact that her husband dies. Her husband dies. Yeah, and her husband dies again. I find this really. I find pulling Freddie into the real world. I find it a real stretch. And this is a problem I had with A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 as well. When Freddy's in the dream world, that works for me. He can do whatever the fuck he likes there. He's got full control over that. When yep. you start bringing him into the real world, so like the she she rings her husband to say, look, Dylan's had a funny turn. I need you to come home straight away. So he jumps in his truck and he's driving back and he's drifting in and out of sleep. And Freddy attacks him in his dream and it causes him to crash the car. But the fact that that character's had no interaction with Freddy, he's had no nightmares about Freddy, 
he I, I find it a stretch that Freddie would be able to influence him so strongly. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't really think we can dive too deeply into the logic behind Freddie's ability because it's so all over the place with the entire franchise. And even more so in this film, which we'll get to in sort of the back half of it, because there's a few things I want to discuss. There's no consistency with the law of Freddy Krueger of what he can and can't do. But no. you're right. If you were to base this on the original, all of them start by having nightmares. And yeah. none of them want to go to sleep because they're scared of what's going to happen. And that's when the they're weak. They're having. And that's where they're weak. But in here, it's almost a case of, well, you're asleep now, so Freddy's going to get you. It's like you've never known Freddy Krueger had any affiliation with him prior to this moment, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's 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 a really odd take. And, like, she gets a phone call. She gets the police turn up at her house, say, look, you, your husband's died in a terrible car crash. We need you to come and ID the body. And she goes off to the hospital, and she goes in, and she lifts the face down, and she's like, oh, yeah, that's him. She's like, oh, no, I need to have another look. And she sees the four slashes down her down his chest, and then she does some terrible, dramatic fall to the floor where she throws up. That's the only bit in the, her acting in this that's shocking. Yeah, it's not great. This it, it's it's like back of the hand on the forehead. Oh, my husband. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is where the doctor brings. So basically, Dylan's there as well, and she notices there's some things not quite right with Dylan. And they admit Dylan onto the psych ward, effectively. Yeah, but you was on about the park before that. We missed the park bit. Yeah, no, we were all over the place. I love no notes. It's great. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's hard work. <laughs> yeah, after after the husband died, we're going to ignore everything we just said. After the husband died and she identified the body, there is a funeral. And at the oh, funeral, yeah. and at the funeral, Heather Langenkamp falls asleep and has a dream that the coffin drops into the floor. Dylan falls in the coffin she goes in the coffin after Dylan, and we. This is where we get our first look at Freddy as he's dragging Dylan down. Yes, really cool. Really cool. Re- and Freddy here is is the best looking Freddy out of all of the movies, in my opinion. My favorite in the entire, entire franchise. But it's not until the hospital scene later on where we get him in his full glory. Which, when we get there, I'm going to gush like fuck. I love so that I'll scene. save it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they fall in, and then. Something we haven't mentioned at this point yet as well is that there is a lot of earthquakes going on. Yes. So there's these seems to be random earthquakes happening all over wherever this takes place. I don't think this... Are we in Hollywood? We are in Hollywood, yeah, right? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're, we're right on the fault line. So there are always earthquakes, and when I get to facts, they're... Yeah, we'll get there in facts. All right, okay. So I'm just assuming this was just a freak, a freak nature thing. Um, so there's earthquakes constantly happening, which never really gets explained, to be honest. No, it's kind of, it leaves it open to your interpretation to link it to Freddy. Freddy's causing the earthquakes is kind of where they're pointing you. Yeah. So anyway, Heather Langenkamp wakes up at the funeral. She's got a cut on her head and John Saxon picks her up and says, and she's screaming, Freddy, talking Freddy. She's like, no, no, you just fell over in the earthquake. Yeah. So obviously she fell asleep on the chair. The earthquake happened and knocked her over. Yeah. And great acting from John Saxon because he's looking at her going, I really care about you, but I right now I think you're a fucking lunatic. Yeah, and the inclusion of John Saxton in this is just fucking weird. Like, I get why he would, why they would want to bring him back for this, but these are real world characters, and she speaks to John Saxton like he's a real world dad. Yeah, and he's at her husband's funeral. It's like you guys were in like one movie together forty years ago. Yeah, it, it the the whole real world thing is very much a case of 
Wes went, I want all of these characters. They've all become friends. They're the best, they're the best friends that anyone's ever had. And they're all together all the time. That's how this works. I mean, with the way cons are and stuff like that, and by cons, I mean like comic cons and things like that. I imagine they do interact quite regularly throughout their life. Um, but to the point where he's at Heather's husband's funeral, I mean, this is a small funeral based on what we see on the film. There's like 12 people there. John Saxon's one of them. Yeah, and Robert, and Robert England. England. And Wes Craven. <laughs> and Bob Craven. And I'm just like, oh, guys, like, yeah, you, it, you could have put a little bit more thought into this. So, like, the only people who are, like, even remotely family, you've got Heather and Dylan and the nanny. Everyone else is the cast of a Nightmare on Elm Street movies. <laughs> No, I was half expecting Johnny Depp to just appear on the back row. I, I was waiting for King K to come over and go, don't you worry, Heather, we're going to get him. <laughs> or Tara, I dress today and I'm dressed bad and dangerous. <laughs> um, uh, I wouldn't have been out of place, so I'll be honest with you. No, I'd have taken it. And again, the fan service, I'd have just, I'd have applauded it, gone, well done, Wes. Well done, that's exactly what I needed here. <laughs> Fucking wizard, oh, wizard master rocking up, oh, C- casting spells into the grave to put Freddy back down. Part <laughs> of me kind of wants to see that version of it now. Yeah, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, grieving child, grieving parent. She takes Dylan to the park, and that is the most unsafe park like thing I've ever seen. So there's a big rocket in this park that Dylan goes up this little spiral staircase, and like all parks, it's all enclosed. When you get to the very top of this, which is about 30 foot up, it's got a little window that you can open that is big enough to fit a grown adult through. Yeah. And she sat on the bench talking to John Saxon and Dylan climbs out and then onto the top of this rocket where he stands there like Christ the Redeemer in Brazil. And this is where John Saxon and Langkamp spot him, go running over and he throws himself off the top. And it's, it's very sad. He's like, I, I I, wanted them to take me to daddy, but they wouldn't. And I was like, oh, OK. Yeah, that, it's heart wrenching, isn't it? It's like that. You've got a bit you've got a bit too dark now, whereas I love a horror movie and I love a bit of slasher. But don't don't give the kid that sort of trauma. No, no. And at this point, is this where she now goes to see Wes? Yes. And to talk about the script. And I just want to say, Wes, I know you're dead now, so R.I.P., sir. But you should have stayed behind the camera because he is the most wooden thing I've ever seen on a screen in my entire life. <laughs> Why, hello, Heather. Nice of you to come and see me. Line. <laughs> it is so awkward, this entire interaction when he's trying to tell this dramatic story about how the script he's telling in his dream is translating to real-world events and... He's trying to be like this mystery crypt keeper about it. And he's like, the only person who can stop him, Heather, is you. You have to play Nancy one more time. He kind of gives a little bit of context about how, which is a logical bit of context, which is that Freddy Krueger is a djinn and then he was trapped in the movie universe. And now the movies are finished. He's got nowhere he can go or be. So he needs to escape into the real world. And I was like, wow, that's fucking awesome. That's such a cool idea. Yeah, it's a really clever concept that there's this sort of ever-living evil that wants to be in the real world, and by people telling stories about this evil in whatever form they deem to, that traps him within that world. So the Nightmare on Elm Street movies effectively acted as, as a prison for him. Yes. And now they're all over and the hype's all died down. 
he's no longer trapped there. He's free and he wants now to break out again. So yeah. Wes's logic is the only way to stop him is to make another movie. Yeah. It, it's bonkers. But it kind of works and makes sense. Yeah, it's surprisingly, it does. You know, it, on paper, it, this sounds like complete and utter bollocks. But as you, because you have such character development early on, and they they build this world so well, by the time we get to this ridiculous analogy of what's actually happening, kind of makes perfect sense. And you put it all together, you're like, oh, that's really, really clever. Yeah, but actually, it's probably not. No, it's it's really <laughs> clever, but it's absolute garbage. Well done, Wes. You fed it to us, and we've gone. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, that's the whole beauty of this film is that it, it takes such risks with a popular franchise that it's it's refreshing to see. Like, it's not just rinse and repeat. It tries to go in a completely different direction without being a remake or without being... And, and I think it's a really refreshing idea to do something like this. And I can't applaud this film enough for that side of it. Yeah. Um, and they mimicked exactly this when they done Screen 3. Did they? Yeah, Scream 3 is a film. They're on a film set filming as... Oh, of course, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So th- th- this... But not as clever as this, though. <laughs> no, there's nothing clever about Scream 3 at all. <laughs> <laughs> nothing whatsoever. <laughs> the, the only clever thing about Scream 3 was the end credits where it was all over and I had to stomach that Roman Bridger was the killer. Yeah, yeah, she should have shot him in the head straight away. Yeah. all the last 30 minutes of that film exactly you mean where she gets shot and then she fakes a death yeah we could have the old bulletproof vest thing she wasn't wearing a bulletproof vest up until the point she had to reveal that she had a bulletproof vest on yeah you you like me and like most red-blooded men were quite happy watching the boobies bouncing and under a bulletproof vest they don't do that <laughs> I like the way that 90% of the people that realised that wasn't a valid plot twist were men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all went, that's not right. <laughs> um, I've just spent the last 10 minutes knowing that that's not right. Yeah, I, I'm 100% convinced that was not on a minute ago. <laughs> um, Dylan ends up in the hospital, so... Why I can't remember why she goes back to the hospital, but she goes back to the hospital with Dylan. And this is where the worst doctor slash nurse in the world decides that Dylan is showing signs of sleep deprivation and early signs of some sort of schizophrenia. So she admits yeah. him to the but hospital. I think she, she kind of admits him based on the scatty behaviour of Langenkamp. She's been wildly erratic and she's concerned that her behaviour is responsible for Dylan's behaviour. She thinks that she she's the reason why he won't go to sleep because he's scared of her behaviour and what she's doing and he doesn't want to go to sleep. Yeah, and I think that's a logical leap for any health professional looking at those two. I'd yeah. be admitting Dylan. I'd probably be admitting Heather as well. Yeah, so they try and keep him in. One of the best things about this scene is that they give him the sleeping pill. It's like, oh, this is just going to put you to sleep. Don't you worry. He takes it in his mouth and like reveals that he's kept it out and yeah. sticks it under his pillow, but then immediately goes to sleep anyway. <laughs> yeah, and and this is where he's insistent that he needs Rex to protect him. Mm-hmm. And Heather's like, well, look, I'm going to go and get Rex. And there's this whole thing where she sits down with an Angela. Look, whatever happens, don't let him fall asleep till I'm back and I've got Rex here. Yes. And, 
if I'm the nanny, I'm going, he's tired. I'm going to let him sleep because you seem massively unhinged right now. Yeah. And I don't know why she's buying into this fantasy that Landing Camp's telling her because she sounds like she is smoking methadone. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> the nurses come in and they're like, oh, we're just going to give him a quick sedative. And you get this nurse who's drawing the sedative. And the nanny's like, you are fucking not. I'm telling you now. And she like punches her, like proper attacks her to try and stop her. And the other nurse has already walked past her and has got another syringe. She's like, oh, it's all done now. He's going to go to sleep. Yes. Now, this is where I start getting slightly confused because we Dylan is trying to fall asleep and she's slapping him, trying to keep him awake. Wake up, Dylan. Wake up, Dylan. Um, eventually, he nods off, but then yeah. he's awake. So I'm assuming we're now in Dylan's dream. Dylan's dream. And he can see Freddie stood behind the nanny. Right. So Freddy is there. And also, by the way, this reveal of Freddy Krueger in this is just fucking epic. It's like, imagine the fisherman from I Know What You Did Last Summer, but Freddy Krueger. His get up is amazing. Yeah. He's like got the Trilby hat on. It's a different color now. It's a lot dark. It's it's green Trilby, isn't it? Yeah, dark green. He's got a dark green, long, full length trench coat. Yeah, and he's got like his his jumpers now, like got like a polo sort of turtleneck to it, and the prosthetics on his face are the most rubbery we've ever seen Freddy look. But it it looks good. Yeah, like I, one of my biggest gripes for the Freddy Krueger prosthetics throughout the entire franchise is that in one and two he looks incredible. He's very dark. He's very sort of oozy and slimy. But then he becomes this comedic rubbery Freddy from that point on. Yeah. This is like extremely rubbery, but such a dark take on the character and his makeup looks so cool because of it. Yeah, and he's he's really sinister. But I, like you say, I don't understand how what happens next happens because he's in Dylan's dream. And but he girl, kills the babysitter. Yeah, and the way he kills the babysitter, this is the best kill in this movie, arguably the best kill in the franchise. It's a rehash of the revolving room we see in the one. original in part one but this time you see her going up the wall and you don't see freddie there and then you see it through dylan's eyes where you can actually see freddie dragging her and cutting her and this is when you watch that you then put that same concept into the first one and you can envisage how freddie done that kill it's so creative and you see him like walking across the ceiling and dragging her and pinning her there and he says a line like Hey Dylan, do you want to play a game? Skin the cat. Yeah, it's, like, it's it's fucking awesome, man. It's a really really cool scene. The logic of it and the lore in terms of Freddy makes absolutely zero sense, but in terms of a cool kill scene, it looks great. Yeah, it looks really 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 good. And Dylan just fucking ups and leaves. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan. See, the just... thing is, something's just dawned on me really quickly. That is like. We're basing this on Freddy Krueger law, but this isn't actually really Freddy Krueger, is it? I suppose. No, it's can not. We... It's it's a demon, so the law all changes. So I guess he can do whatever the hell he likes. Whatever suits him in this film, because that was one of my biggest gripes with the final act, which we'll get to again when we get there. But it's, I suppose if we're criticising it based on what we understand from the Nightmare on Elm Street films, this isn't necessarily the same character. So can he bend the rules to his will depending on what him as a djinn can do. I don't know. I need more context on this. Mm. So what you're saying is Wes Craven's an incredibly clever writer because he wrote himself out of a hole that he definitely had. Pretty much, yeah. I don't know. But again, it's just 
No, because none of the Freddy films have any logic or consistency with his law. So I suppose yeah, it's but, just... but Wes wrote the law and then everyone else just bastardised it from there on to do what they wanted. And this was Wes coming back. <laughs> right, we can ignore all of that. I'm just going to start again. I'm going to start fresh law. I'm going to do my whole new thing. And it's kind of Freddy, but not. Yeah. Yeah. I just think so. it's so hard as fan bases to, to have something that you believe in and have spent sort of six movies basing your idea of a character around to have it all flipped on its head. And for me watching it, I was just like, well, that doesn't seem right. He shouldn't be able to do that. But again, it's not the same character, is it? I don't know. No, I'm so it, confused by it. And all. At least it's only six movies, not like 26 movies like the Halloween franchise. Man, it was only eight before Rob Zombie got his hands on it. <laughs> yeah, but it was in a state by the time Rob got to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, okay. Dylan goes for a wander. Heather gets back to the hospital and she's screaming at the nurse. Where's Dylan? She's like, he's sedated. He can't have gone anywhere. Heather's like, you fucking idiot. He sleepwalks. And she's like, ah, shit. He can go wherever he wants when he's asleep. (laughs) Yeah, he can go wherever he likes. And we get this really cool scene on the freeway. I really like this, where Dylan's crossing the freeway. He's fast asleep. And Heather's trying to get to him. And we get Cloud Freddy. The first time you see Cloud Freddy, I think it's the original Freddy makeup. Okay. I've rewound it a couple of times now. And I'm, if you know the answer to this, please correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure when he first pops up out of the clouds, when you see him, I'm sure he's in Kruger makeup, like proper Robert England, Nightmare on Elm Street from three onwards Kruger makeup. The kind of yeah. stuff where he jumps out from behind the set on the interview. Yeah, I might be wrong. It's a dark scene. It's hard to tell, but it certainly didn't look like the new uh, demonized Freddy that we get in this. No, it doesn't. Uh, I like the fact that like you get he's lifting Dylan up with his claw because he's ginormous. He's a cloud. And like, Heather's trying to save him. And this whole sequence, I think, is great. I really enjoy this sequence. It's very clever. It shows you kind of the scope of Freddy's powers, how far his reach is and what he's capable of doing in the real world that doesn't just affect Dylan who's asleep, but affects the 50 cars on the freeway as well. Yeah. Cause I didn't understand why he was trying to save Dylan so badly. Why is Dylan so pivotal to him? Cause it's never really explained. Like if it was like, Oh, Dylan needs to come to your Freddy lair and then you need to do this ritual in order for you to become a real world entity. But none of that's ever explained. We just know that he's trying to prevent Dylan from getting killed on the freeway. Yeah. And it, it it leads them back to the house where they basically, they they both end up in a dream world. So Dylan's asleep. Dylan's in the dream world. Freddie has Dylan and Heather's looking. She looks at the script or she's reciting things that Wes told her. It's like, the only way I can get there is to be with him. And then she's like, Oh shit. I just need to take loads of sleeping pills and go get him. Yeah. One thing I just want to touch on that we just glossed over really quickly is that she goes back to the house to get Dylan and John Saxon arrives at the house and we get this really weird, awkward interchange where reality is almost, it's almost just flipped on its head is reality. And he turns, he's no longer John Saxon. He's Nancy's dad. He's referring to her as Nancy. She's like, why do you keep calling me Nancy? And then she looks down and he's got his police badge and he gets in the police car from the original. And then the next scene cuts and she's in her nightgown that she wore in the original Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And I'm like, what the fucking hell is going on? I do not understand. But one of the best scenes in the entire film is where Freddie rises up from the mattress in Dylan's bedroom. And yes. then he just cuts through it. And it, oh, it just looks so cool. 
Yeah, so it, good. Again, that's a rehash of when he comes through the wall in the first one. This is very much everything we liked from the first one. Wes knew we liked, and he gave us that again, but in a new way. Yeah, and he does a fantastic job of doing it. Yeah, yeah, he, he definitely really does. does. Um, earlier in the movie, Heather read Dylan a bedtime story, which was Hansel and Gretel. And as she was reading it, I went, that's really important because you're making a big point of reading Hansel and Gretel. Yes. When we get to this bit now and you've got Freddy's down in the basement and he's chasing Dylan while Heather's trying to get to him and he tries, chases Dylan into a furnace, I just went, oh. <laughs> I, was, I was really like, oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. And like, Freddy kind of gets stuck and... Heather's there and she gets him out the side and then they push him in and close the door and Freddie dies. I'm like, oh, yeah, he, he deserved a better end than fucking ripping off Hansel and Gretel. I think so. I think so. But I mean, this final showdown for me is absolute perfection. I love the set design of the dream world. I like that. They've got like all this red and green moss everywhere. Everything is red and green tones throughout. It's like an underground mausoleum. It just looks fantastic. There's water everywhere. There's fire everywhere. And we get this final showdown between Nancy or Heather, whichever she is at this moment in time. It's really unclear. Um, And it's really cool. I mean, there's some wonky practical effects. At one point, Dylan's trapped inside the furnace. And Freddie tries to to eat him. (laughs) And his head just like opens up massively. And then... Dylan manages to get away, but then the next scene, he's like, he's got this giant long tongue coming out from the furnace, which he wraps around Heather's face. And it was all really cheesy, I'm going to be honest with you. Considering how frightening and intimidating Freddy was up until this point, I just think it kind of lost its way in this final battle sequence. Like, but everything around them looks great. The set design's fantastic. Freddy looks great, but then they just kill it with this underwhelming sort of cheesiness that the we thing kind is, of like, got from like five and six and it just didn't yeah. belong here in my opinion but like when freddy goes to eat him that was the perfect opportunity to bring back the freddy snake and have his head morph into that snake that he was yeah. before but they didn't do it they just done this kind of weird fucking elongated jaw which i have to say if you pause that scene and you were to color in his mouth and his eyes black which are both elongated Looks like the screen mask, and I'm going to do that as one of the posts I do when I release when we release this episode. That'd be cool. I look forward to it, seeing it. It does look like Ghostface because I paused yeah. it and went, "Shit, <laughs> everything comes from this movie." <laughs> Another of my gripes that I'm going to touch on real quickly about this final scene. I've kind of already answered it myself and answered my own argument here, but we're in the dream world, right? Yeah. Freddie gets stabbed. He gets like damage he's limping about in pain in previous entities in the dream world he cuts off limbs and shit and laughs at people and it just grows back immediately here he's just he's just a man just taking serious damage from a tiny little dagger and it's like what the fuck have you done to this guy like why this could have been so much cooler and so much more grander in scope but it just felt really condensed and underwhelming for me yeah, there needed to be a point where they dragged him back into the real world and then done all the shit to him. Exactly, yeah. That would have made more sense to me. They'd have been like, yeah, of course, now he's just a normal guy, so he can... But I suppose but again, the, it's, it's the problem with the that is thing. he's not Freddy, and if you bring him into the real world, that's kind of where he wants to be. Yeah, of course. You've given him what he wants. He's going, oh, brilliant, thanks. I don't need to kill you now. Bye. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, I'll save it for my roundup, but I have an idea of what they should have done with this, which would have made it better, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I've got a couple of things they should have done with this that I think would have drastically improved it. Uh, Freddie dies. Heather and her son live happily ever after, sit on the bed and start to read a a story. Because that's what you do after you just survived a vicious serial killing demon. Well, they don't read a story. They've got the script for New Nightmare, and they read it and follow it, and they read the closing lines of the movie. Tell me that's a story? Yeah, but Dylan makes them go back, and they start to read the entire thing again. I was like, do you know what happens when you read this script? Like, why would you want to do that again? I I guess that's the whole thing of keeping him trapped, because they're keeping that story alive by keep telling it. Oh, of course. I I didn't pick up on that. That makes it seem so much better now. Uh, And the little note from Wes in the front cover. Thanks for playing Nancy one more time. Yeah, that was cool. I hope she gets to keep that script. Yeah. yeah that would I, be worth a lot of money to her. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if it was actually the script or it was just loads of blank pages bound together. I imagine that was probably the script. I'd like to I, think I, so. I, I, think, I think that would have... If, if I would like to envision this in a certain way, I think that's probably actually her script that they sent her when the film was finished writing. And he probably wrote at the end of it, cheers, thanks for playing there. And they just probably incorporated it into the film at the end. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that's that's what happened. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to have lots of things to say in our roundup. Um, But before we do that... Zoinks! Three-word reviews, man! uh, Three-word reviews are just going mad at the moment. And thank you so much for everyone who's given... Free word reviews. They are like non-fucking-stop every time we do them. Uh, BJ Mumbo, who's a YouTuber, really cool YouTube channel. Uh, My Kind of Freddy. We've got Macabre Movies and Makeup, who's a cosplay account. My absolute favourite. Uh, over on Twitter, uh, Lawrence Dagstein, who's an author. Return to Greatness. Uh, Let's Talk Horror Channel. Uh, BP, who's been on this show. I've been on his show. Great podcast. Uh, definitely very underrated. Uh, we've got Dewey Podmonster, who, again, has got a great podcast. Love the hat. Uh, this guy's done a couple now, and I still can't pronounce his account. <laughs> I'm going to try. Uh, Bearded Amoeba, who's a film buff. Craven's Triumphant Return. Uh, then we've got on TikTok, uh, we've got Painted Lady, who's a mixed fandom account. Fun, cheesy, iconic. Uh, Scourge187 who Their account's private, no idea what they do uh, Meta before Meta And then finally we've got the queen of TikTok herself Lady Crisis It's scary again mm, Yeah, kind of <laughs> compa- The best it's been since the beginning <laughs> <laughs> In comparison to Three onwards It is scary again Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely um, Anyway, that's another three word reviews um, I think it's time we do something else Recommended account of the week. I'm half tempted to release this all our episodes on YouTube just so people can see you dance each week. You should it, just collect them all together and just do a montage. <laughs> uh, I might have to start doing that because every week your dance is different. It's like you rehearse. I know, but each week the music seems to change. 
No, it doesn't. It's the same every week. Oh, okay. In my head, it changes. <laughs> I was just grooving to the Hey Arnold theme then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this week's recommended account is a twofer this week. You get two for the price of one. And both have been previous guests of the show. And both have actually been previous recommended accounts of the show. Um, okay. So you have Beck from This Girl Loves Horror on Instagram. And you have... Jay from Jay Lumberjay Reviews. The reason I'm recommending both these accounts this week is because this coming Friday, the 25th of August, these two accounts are teaming up to start their very first live Fridays. Um, they're going to be doing a live stream on Instagram where they're going to do a review of a movie. And this first episode is going to feature Willie's Wonderland, I believe. Yes. Um, Yes, unfortunately, me and Scott record on a Friday, so we won't be able to watch it live. But we, if you release it, we will check it out the next day, or just change your whole entire plans around me and Scott so we can watch on a Saturday or a Thursday. Uh, I'm really, I'm really excited as well. Do you know what they've called their lives? No, I don't. No, what is it? The girl and the gay. Brilliant. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> I think both of these two characters are fantastic in their own individual rights. And I think together, this is going to be an incredible show. So if you are a fan of us, the chances are you will probably be a big fan of these two as well. I think they're going to do really well with this. And I want everybody to get behind them and give them as much support as you can. Please check out their first live episode. Let them know you enjoyed it. So they continue making more and keep doing it monthly, weekly, fortnightly, however they decide to do it moving forward. Um, these guys have been nothing but supportive of me and Scott throughout the, the course of our doing the podcast or since yeah. they've joined listening to us. So I think it's only fair that we try and give them as much push and shove as we can. So please go check them out, whether you follow This Girl Loves Horror on Instagram or whether you follow Lumberjay Reviews on Instagram or go and follow them both. Either way, you'll be able to find them this Friday, the 25th of August on Instagram for their very first live movie review. Yeah, and if you... If you're new to the show and you don't know who these two are and you, you don't follow them or anything like that and you want to know a little bit about them, go back and listen to... <coughs> oh, sorry, I'm dying. Uh, you all right there, mate? Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, go back and listen to the Ready or Not episode uh, where this girl left horror joined us or go back and listen to Killer Condom and hear Jay suffer <laughs> for a long period I of time. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, J Jay did not. Um, but go and listen to those two episodes and that will give you a good insight as to who these two are and what they're going to bring you because they are going to absolutely nail this. Yes, definitely. Um, games are now a weekly thing. Uh, sometimes I try to make them relevant to the movies. Um, other times, not so much. Uh, today is one of those times where it's not relevant to the movie whatsoever. Um, we're going to play a game <laughs> of uh, two truths and one lie. I'm sure you all know what this game is. Uh, I'm going to tell Mark two things about me that are true, one of which is a lie. And all Mark needs to do is tell you or tell me which one of those three things is a lie right okay so i think i think i know you well enough now in fact actually no you're you you have a strange sordid past uh lisa got it wrong <laughs> okay well that doesn't work <laughs> well for me then <laughs> um so we'll start off with the first story so i once got so drunk that i woke up in a hotel on the staircase um i was woken up by a member of staff who led me and escorted me back to my room when I opened the door, I was confronted with a full-length mirror 
and I was absolutely stark bald naked. Um, and then I closed the door and went to bed, very embarrassed, checking out the next day under the cover of sunglasses and a hat. So that's the first story. Uh, the second story is on holiday, uh, I once climbed into bed with my mother-in-law at the time, thinking it was my wife, and started rubbing against her and groping her um, chest region, only to find out that it wasn't my wife. Uh, and it was very funny and very uncomfortable, um, <laughs> as was the rest as was the rest of the holiday. Um, the third story, uh, when I was younger, I fell out of bed. Now, I'd broken my bed being a, a young man and doing things that young men do on beds. Um, so, stallion. Yeah, so my bed was <laughs> a mattress on the floor at the time. Uh, I rolled out of this mattress and the four-inch fall to the floor managed to break my wrist in three places and I spent the next eight weeks in a plaster cast. Now, which one of those three do you think is a lie? And you can ask for more information on any of these and I can elaborate more on, on what happened. Right, okay. So the first one, I know that you were a holiday rep at the, in your younger years. So that one is very, very plausible to me. I, the that, last one about that, you being Mr. Glass, I'm not too sure. <laughs> the, the first one happened at a hotel in the UK. So right, was, okay. Can you give was, me some context on what you were doing that evening? Why were you there? Uh, yeah, Why? so we, we were working away. It was when I was still on the tools. Um, we were working away. I'd been out. We'd finished on the Friday, sort of two o'clock. And we all done a thing we all do when we work away. We run our wives and girlfriends. and went, the job's overrun. We're going to have to work like late tonight. We'll be back at like two o'clock on the Saturday. And then we all went out on the piss. Um, I crawled in at some ridiculous time, went to bed. At some point in the evening, I woke up very drunk and decided I wanted to get more alcohol and neglected to get dressed as I left the room. And at some point, I think I may have fell and passed out on the stairs where I was later found and returned to my room. Yeah, you see, the thing about that, though, if we did the For Love of Horror this year and I got absolutely obliterated and you were drinking the same amount as me, but even at two o'clock in the morning, you still seem perfectly sober. And then was up at like six o'clock the next morning watching Tremors 4, where I was like dead inside myself. Yeah. And I could barely speak and barely walk. So I don't know if that fits based on how much I know you can handle your drink. The mother-in-law one, I think, is definitely true. <laughs> I think that one's a definite. And I'm just torn between... How you could possibly shatter your wrist in three places falling off a ground mattress? Six. Six. I broke it in six separate places when I rolled off four inches onto the floor. Like, how could you possibly even do that? Was you, like, obese at some point in your life? <laughs> I, I was much heavier at this time in my life. <laughs> um, were you under the influence of drugs by any chance when you did this naked walk of shame? Uh No. Because that's the kind of thing ketamine does to you. No, um, I, I wasn't. It was just pure, purely alcohol. Right, okay. I'm going to say the mattress one is a lie. Okay. The mattress one is 100% the truth. How the fuck did you do that? I genuinely have no idea. So I rolled over in my sleep. I rolled off the bed onto like, I bent my wrist backwards. So if you imagine doing like a swan shape with your hand. and then Please I do rolled... that again. <laughs> Uh, and then I rolled all of my weight onto it. And the pain of that woke me up. I went and told my mum, because I lived with my mum at the time. 
and my mum grabbed my arm. My mum grabbed my arm and shook my arm that there's nothing wrong with you. I then insisted that I had to go to the hospital. This is when I was a lot younger. I was like 15 when this happened. Oh, I just called my, you a loser for living with your mum, thinking yeah. you were like 36. <laughs> um, my mum took me up to the hospital where I was x-rayed and I'd broken it in six places. Wow. Um, n- number one, the uh, the hotel nakedness. That is the truth. <laughs> Man, I would love to see you that drunk. I was in, uh, honestly, like the following morning when I checked out, because obviously that's the sort of thing that that person who worked the night, when the morning shift come in, he went, you will never believe what happened last <laughs> night. The guy in this room, when he checks out, and like I literally come down and like I'd I'd had room service as well because we'd been there for a couple of weeks, so I actually had to pay for my room service, and I could see the staff all kind of going. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and there is some CCTV footage floating about of that that I need to get hold of. <laughs> um, the one that's a lie is, of course, I never groped my mother-in-law because that would be very, very wrong. It's a weird judge of character that I immediately assumed that one was real. Yeah. I, <laughs> terrible. No, that, that didn't happen. Anyway, that's our game this week. Low facts, low. The events of this movie all revolve around Heather Langkamp having a stalker is effectively the the true essence of this. Um, she did have a stalker just before this movie was made. Um, when Wes was writing the script, he spoke to Heather and asked if he could include it in the storyline because she would be able to genuinely act how that felt. And I think she does. She does a phenomenal job in this film. So, yeah, that, that's plausible that she would be able to draw emotion from our own real world experiences in this. Yeah. Um, Wes Craven wanted to ask Johnny Depp, but he didn't have the guts. He wanted him to be there for the, the funeral scene. Um, he, 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 he never asked him because Johnny Depp had become a megastar at this point. Um, he later met up with Johnny Depp. Um, they met somewhere and they were having drinks and he asked Johnny Depp if he had done it. And Johnny Depp informed him that he was actually in the area at the time and he'd have done it for nothing because he owes everything to Wes Craven. That's disappointing that he didn't then. Devastate. Could you imagine Wes must have gone, fuck. But we're already mocking that funeral scene anyway. Can you imagine if Johnny Depp was it? That was his only bit in the film as well. He was just there for the funeral. Yeah, that's the only bit Wes wanted for was just the funeral scene. Because in the in the original, don't him and Nancy actually only share like two or three scenes? Yeah, they share hardly any screen time together at all. <laughs> that would be so wild. <laughs> um, this is Robert England's favourite movie in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Um, it's his favourite because he loves the look of Freddy and he loves the concept that Freddy is a real thing. Yeah. It, that that's This is kind of the direction Robert England wanted them to continue. And he would often lobby Wes to say, let's do another movie along these lines. Yeah. I, I would have taken another one of these. Yeah, 100%. Um, before making the movie, Wes Craven sat down on his own at his home, and he watched all of the Nightmare on Elm Street films back to back. He said that he couldn't follow what was going on from the second A Nightmare on Elm Street ended and the second one began. So he decided that everything after his original masterpiece was absolute trash and he was going to neglect and ignore it. 
Right. So he's done a David Gordon Green then. So he's has he officially stated that this is a direct sequel to part one then? No, this is not. It's linked in the fact that the movies were made, but it's not a sequel. It's a movie that effectively run alongside the other movies. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. But what I mean is, is like, is he neglecting everything up until this point? Like, is he saying, no, 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 he's saying the only those... one that exists in this universe is Nightmare on Elm Street One, or is he no, saying no, all no. the rest he, of them he, exist? He's saying all the others exist, but he was saying that he initially set out to write a sequel, but when he sat and watched them all, he's like, how the fuck do I sequel that? How do I sequel yeah. that mess? What do I do with that? Yeah, and you wouldn't want to as well either, being the one that was the bookend of both all of these films. Yeah. Because everyone would just do what they do now. They'd watch one and this one and three. Yeah. And two. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why? I love two. Um, Winona Ryder and Drew Barrymore were both approached to play the nanny, to play Julie. Um, neither of them could do it. And Wes Craven was so insistent that he would get Drew Barrymore in a movie that he signed her for screen when he'd done this movie. When she couldn't do this, he signed her for screen then. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I mean, she then couldn't do that. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, he'd agreed with her that she would do something in screen. She's like, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Because wasn't she originally supposed to be Neve Campbell's role? Yes. Yeah, she was originally meant to be Sydney Prescott. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, hot take, I think she would have done a better job. Ooh, no. Nah. I don't (laughs) know. I'm basing that now, knowing the career she's had since... Um, because what did she come up? She came off the back of Batman and Robin, I think, into Scream, didn't she? So she went massive. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. Um, the earthquakes in this. So this film was filmed about a month and a half, two months before there was a massive earthquake in Los Angeles. Um, what they done is they then went, oh shit, we can actually get real earthquake footage now. So he called all the cast back, and they went and filmed more scenes, like showing the the damage that it caused, so like scenes when they're driving through, that was all filmed after they'd finished the movie because they had a real earthquake and he wanted to incorporate that in to the story. That makes sense. This film is the original concept design for Freddy Krueger. Um, This is how Wes Craven always envisaged him, how he always wanted him. Um, But just before his death, he, he said he regretted changing him to this. In terms of? Appearance. Oh really? Yeah, he he he. This is how he always wanted Freddie to look, and then after he'd done it, he regretted doing it, and he basically said, "This is the reason that Ghostface mask never changed, because there's no need to fix what isn't broken." Yeah, but it's not the same Freddie we get. Like Freddie one and two are great. Like I'm not talking about the movies; I'm just talking about the look of Freddy Krueger. Yeah, but Freddy Krueger in three, four, five, and six is a different Freddy Krueger to what it is in part one and two. Yeah. Like, yeah. substantially, there's reason even there is no yeah, about it. They are very contrasting-looking characters. I'm just telling you what Wes said. <laughs> it's not my fault. Yeah. Fuck you, Wes. <laughs> you know nothing. <laughs> uh, I was not expecting many 10-word takedowns this week. Uh, we got more than I thought. So it's time for 10-word takedown. Are you ready? Always ready. Okay, so you do one, two, three, and then say it. No, right. So one, two, three, go. Say it. Yes. Ready? One, two, three. Ten, Ten word, word take, 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 take,
we also got lots of people who refused, like actually commented to say that they refused to give a 10 word takedown. Uh, those people include Wednesday Widen Horror, uh, one enthusiastic horror fan, uh, BJ Mumbai, Creature Pod. Uh, we also had Christopher Warman on threads um, who stuck up for this movie saying this is arguably the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie who in their right mind could take this down. So all of these people refused. Um, but not everyone was nice. Uh, over on Twitter, Dewey Podmonster, Santa's elf pissed in this movie. <laughs> uh, on Instagram, we've got Nate Mayer, who's an author. Uh, bland cash in to keep the IP. Nothing more. Uh, we've got Official El Padre, who's a private account. New or old, this franchise is a heap of dung. Mm. Mm. Uh, Chainsaw Chicken Barbecue, worst child actor of the 90s in mediocre meta. I don't know what everyone's beefing on Dylan for. I thought he was quite cool in this. Uh, I'm not a big fan. Is he that bad? Do I need to watch this again? <laughs> I, I just don't think he's that great. He's very, it's almost like they said to him, go watch The Shining, be that kid. Yeah, no, no, yeah, there's definitely an element of that in it, but I, I don't know, I, I didn't mind him at all in this. Uh, Zombie Turtle Draws, uh, who's a cartoonist. Uh, Demon Freddy wears edgy green trench coat. Lame. <laughs> the look of him's the best in, in the franchise. <laughs> uh, over on Slasher, uh, Sackhead, who's a horror account. Uh, talk about a piece of shit cash grab attempt. Um, he then went on to add in brackets, by the way, I really enjoyed this entry, uh, even though it wasn't that great. I just felt I needed to be involved. <laughs> it's always nice to be involved. Yeah. Uh, thank you for everyone who gave 10 my takedown and to everyone who defended this movie. You, you righteous souls, you. Um, I'm going to let you give your roundup on this first. You can you can say what you've got to say. Okie dokie. Um, Carry on. It's going to be... <laughs> Nice. Um, it's going to be quite a conflicting. Uh, uh, I'm going to start that again. It's going to be quite a contrasting opinions to give on this movie because there are so many elements about it that I absolutely adore and love. And um, I think the con the concept alone is, is truly fantastic. The way that he combines the meta with the real world elements and the, the tie-ins to all the stuff from the original movie. I mean, the stuff that we didn't even touch upon, such as Nancy going up the staircase in the lair and it's sinking like the carpet in the original, just little nods and stuff like that all the way throughout were really, really nice. Um, I think Landon Camp does a fantastic job. As you mentioned, Scott, I think this is probably one of the best performances she's given in her entire career. Robert England's great. John Saxon's cool in this. <laughs> The look of Freddy for me is the coolest Freddy over the course of all, what are we, is this seven, seven films? Yeah. Um, I think he looks absolutely phenomenal. I would have taken this Freddy in every film, yeah. personally. I think he would have looked cool as shit in some of the other ones dressed like this. I don't think this look would have maybe worked with the humor side of him that we got in the later films, but for this side of his character, I think it really works. The stuff that kind of let it down for me is... The direction of cinematography that comes early on in this film is pretty piss poor for such a highly valued property. I think it looks like a lifetime movie, a made-for-TV sci-fi film. And it, it, the overall quality of its production is just pretty piss poor. Um, 
Wes Craven in front of the camera is not good and not convincing in any way. I think there is too much trust in people like Wes and Bob Shea to come on and do their bit parts that just kind of compromised a lot of the impactful scenes that were necessary. I would have liked to have just seen somebody else play them, if I'm honest with you. Um, the score is particularly underwhelming in comparison to a lot of the other films in the franchise. This one, again, it's it's it just feels like some sort of generic score. There's no memorable aspects about it. And my eye is completely itching the hell out of me, and I cannot concentrate on what I'm saying. <laughs> One second. And and for everyone who can't see Mark, Mark just has like his finger as far into his eye socket as he can get. It's one step away from Grabby Myers in Halloween 4. Right, I'm back on track. You sure? So, yeah, I'm back on track. Right, so there's a few things about this. Yeah, I've just got a patch now. Um, There's a few things about this that I, I would have liked to have seen done differently. I think there is so much time spent developing the characters early on such as his new world nancy and her husband and her their kid and and bringing in saxon and kruger and all the rest of it to establish the world that they're living in and i like this don't get me wrong i think it's it's very well fleshed out but this could have all been condensed massively by at least 30 minutes like it's a good hour and 10 minutes before we even get to the real side of freddy krueger and I think we should have spent those other 30 minutes focusing more on the Freddy character because we're all led to believe that this is Freddy Krueger, this is a Nightmare on Elm Street Freddy, but then the lore behind his character is so wildly different to anything that we've seen before and we get no reasoning or justification as to why he is the way he is or what he's doing other than a few throwaway comments from Wes about 40 minutes into the film. So I think that was a big misstep in this movie i think we could have had some form of flashback sequence or i don't know just you could have had a it's a gin he's obviously thousands of years old we could have had a five minute scene of them going back to ancient days to yeah and showing all the movies he's been trapped in or all the stories yeah just something as brief as that or even just going back even further than that and just showing how he came to be trapped in his original form and how it came to be into these films and i just feel like Freddy Krueger is the selling point of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. We are seven films in and we spend an hour and 10 minutes building around characters that, let's be honest, yes, it's nice to see them back on screen, but it's not really what we're here to see. No, um, I agree. But I think it's a strong side of the film. It's just a misstep to leave so much other stuff that's more important out of this. Um, once we get past that and we get to the hospital scenes later on, this film really does kick it up a gear. I think it's absolutely fantastic. The set design is great. Freddy's back on form. We get some really cool kill sequences. I'm really mixed on how I feel about this film. My overall enjoyment of it is I love it. I think it's great. I think the concept is fantastic. I just think the execution overall could have been handled a lot better. That still said, this is a four out of five for me and probably one of my more enjoyable Friday uh, nightmare films. But I think that's more just because my mind goes to where this could have been Yeah. when I'm watching it. I'm sat there, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. That would look really good if they did this. And I feel like that's why I like it more. So it, it probably gets more credit based on the overall concept and idea of it than the actual execution. But still... Again, it's a four out of five. I, I I love it for what it is. Okay. Um, my three favourite Nightmare on Elm Street films is this, Dream Warriors, and the original, and they trade places regularly. 
as to which one I enjoy the most. Now, when I went on BP's channel, Let's Talk Horror channel, I done we done all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and New Nightmare was my number one. I ranked it top on that rewatch. On this rewatch, I wasn't sure where it sat, so I then sat down and I watched this. I then watched Dream Warriors, and then I watched the original, and I done all of them back to back in one sitting. In order, or did you watch? No, I watched this first, then Dream Warriors, then the original. All right, okay. So I, I played it back backwards. Um, this movie's got lots of plot holes. It's got lots of issues. But with all of that, I still take some massive enjoyment from this. There is there's something about Freddy being real that I really like. And I really like watching this, having seen the Wes Craven screen, is a completely different experience to when I watched this first time round. And I think that gives an added level of enjoyment because I'm watching this knowing that as Wes is making it, he's got a notepad and he's like, that's great, that works, that's in screen. That's great, that works, that's in screen. Not too keen on that, that can go. And (laughs) there's part of me that really likes that. And I do genuinely see this as a pilot for screen. And I I can't help it. Uh, The most enjoyable movie in the franchise is Dream Warriors. It's just so much fun. It's silly and it's goofy. The original is brilliant because it is the original and this sits on par with the original for me it's still it's still a 10 out of 10 despite its flaws and despite its sketchy effects because there's something about it that just just grabs me and i I can't put my finger on what it is but there's something that i just genuinely love this movie yeah you can't you can't knock it for its efforts and i think that's why it gets such high appraisal from both of us is because the idea and the bravery behind doing something like this with such a highly valued property, you can't help but give them props for doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It would, be, it would be like taking, it would be like taking Scream and completely spinning on his head and everyone's hunting goat's face from yeah. the off. You just do a Halloween film, but take the exact same concept, but just have Jamie Lee Curtis playing herself having nightmares and flashbacks of Michael Myers, and then eventually Michael Myers comes for her. Yeah. The boogie man. And it, it, it would work. Yeah, and to have the balls to take a franchise of that level and go, yeah, I'm going to throw away everything that everyone knows and loves and thinks about, and I'm just going to do my own thing with it, takes a lot of guts to do that and to pull it off successfully. Yeah takes a yeah. huge amount um successfully-ish successfully-ish um this week's challenge there's only six to go um i've noticed that people aren't playing every single week um so i'm going to change the way we're doing this it's not who plays the most because that's not necessarily fair people have lives and other stuff going on so when this is over in six weeks time me and mark are going to do a live we have a little spinny wheel every time you play is an entry and that puts your name on the wheel so if you play every week for the 10 weeks you'll have your name on the spinny wheel 10 times and we'll spin it and someone's going to win some prizes um anyway this week's challenge is to share a post about your favorite movie in the nightmare on elm street franchise it could be a review it could be a tweet a picture a video anything you want but it's got to be about your favorite not necessarily this movie, be it one on Dream Warriors or Dream Master or, God forbid, someone loves Freddy's Dead. 
any there of those... is some lunatics out there who actually do love that movie as well. Yeah, but do any of them put that above the? It's got to be your favourite. If anyone does Freddy's Dead and it's genuinely their favourite, we will have a very long message conversation why I try to work out why. And if you can justify it, you instantly win a prize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, if you can't wait eight weeks to get some merchandise, go to youronpodcast.com and you can buy some. Uh, be warned, there is a delay on merchandise. The, the people we use, Teespring, are incredibly busy. So there's a three to four week delay. Um, also, don't forget to leave us a review, share us, do all those nice things because that helps the show as well. Uh, that's a wrap for this week. Um, next week, we're off to the ocean to play with submarines as we venture off to the Titanic. Uh, no, we, we, yeah, we, we don't. Movie. Yeah. Uh, instead, we're off to the trench for the Meg 2. But until then, see you later, chum. <laughs> Cheers, guys. See you next week. See you next week. And, oh, before I forget... I'll kill you if this is a joke. You want to die tonight? The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. The You Run Podcast. Why isn't it possible? I can't say nothing. A candy man will get me. You choose the movies. I had a hard on this morning when I woke up, Tina. Had your name written all over it. You score them. Ice fucking model! You review them. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. Why not, you stupid bastard? My name is very fucking confused. What's your name? Captain Howdy. You don't want to go fooling around other folks' property. my goddamn soul. There's a beer. Because after all, this is not our show. This is your show. <laughs>